I know that we started out as foe. But after that courageous act that you showed me against the one they call Derek, maybe someday we could become friends. Friends who ride majestic, translucent steeds, shooting flaming arrows across the bridge of Hemdale. I would follow you into the mists of Avalon, if that's what you mean. Do you want to see something super cool that only three people have ever seen in their lifetimes? Okay, open your eyes. Whoa. Welcome back to another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John Dabari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker, and as always, brought to you by our friends over at Expand the Box Score. Today, we've got a special treat for you, special guests talking rookies ahead of the uh, NFL draft coming up here. We're going to focus on running backs today, but with us today, friend of the show, haven't talked to him a while, though, Mr. Derek Brown. Derek, let everybody know where they can find you and uh, where to check out your work, and then we will jump into some running back questions for you. Dabari, walk. It's been a minute, boys. Um, I, I want to say this is kind of like putting on a really comfy sweatshirt that you haven't worn. It's been worn and it's been in the back of the closet for a little while. Still comfortable, still amazing. So happy to be back here with you guys. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. We're gonna chop this up, dude. Uh if anybody wants uh whiskey takes, uh random ass takes about players that um I don't hate, but you might hate me for the things that I say. Yeah, follow me at Debro underscore FFB. All the work is at Fantasy Pros, and um, I think that's all the shameless plugs I can at least work in for right now. There's nothing shameless about it, and you just gave me the chills. <laughs> I have no shame. With, with that warm sweater, and I, I, I was on mindset. I dropped this on you before we went live, and you didn't even react to it, but when are we actually going to rename Fantasy Bro- Pros Fantasy Bros and just be <laughs> done with all the nonsense and just yeah, the face of the franchise? Derek <laughs> Brown here. Man, yeah. I, I don't, uh, for for their sake, I don't know if they want to commit to that. <laughs> Just lean into it. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I do appreciate the the support of the brand. Um, if they do want to uh, change that anywhere down the line, the only thing the only things I'll have to say about it is, can we work in some some, some more um, beard? items maybe to the brand to the attire to the merch line that's all i care about past that it's all on the board guys fantasy pros branded beard balm hey sells itself some things (laughs) you don't even have to market they just sell themselves yeah i mean just look at look at the lusciousness associated with it i mean you're just burning money right now (laughs) yeah uh my, my, my co-hosts for, for all the podcasts make fun because basically pre-show every single... And I didn't do it this time. I didn't do it this time. But usually the, the beard brush comes out, get a mm. few strokes in there, make sure it's all copacetic and nice, whereas some people need to go to the dressing room and make sure the hair is parted and the side shave looks good. Nah, I don't have anything up top to worry about. So for me, it's all just the main down below. There's very nothing nearly better focused than the roll out of bed game. Uh, my my life has gotten significantly easier since my head started <laughs> to fall out. <laughs> it's like it's, it's beautiful. I can be hey, hey, five minutes dude. with the shower. <laughs> half of half of my days I spend um working with uh sleep pants on, a hoodie, and a hat. So I've got nothing to bitch and complain about. Listen, life goals, right? If, if that's that's what we get to do, if we love doing it. So be it. Yeah, I spent the last year and a half in basketball shorts, pretty much. So, we're, 
Hey, <laughs> that's my attire today. Yeah, yeah, it's just a nice day. We we can go short sleeves today. I but. know, and I feel I feel slightly dressed up. Not gonna lie. Yeah, well, listen, you look fantastic. If I hadn't told you that already, <laughs> Sunday so. best. Sunday yeah. best. Yeah, the we're old, the old podcast tuxedo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Listen, you're, you're, you're the most. Hey, I do have a tuxedo us. shirt just so we're be- keeping it real. I do All have right. a tuxedo shirt, but that usually only comes out for the NFL draft shows. Okay, I was gonna say next year NFL draft show. Book it, get <laughs> Debro on. Got to see the tuxedo T-shirt so we can ref- make countless references to uh, Step Brothers, right? Let's go. <clears throat> All so right. We, we mentioned the draft, so we'll get right into that. So we were going to ask you who's your top five in this class at running back. However, since everyone has Robinson at one, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you do too, let's go with your top six. So you, who do you have two through six at the position this year? So I, I, I'm varying from consensus in that a lot of people have uh, Jameer Gibbs as the clear RB2 for them. For me, it, it is Zach Charbonnet. He is my RB2. Gibbs is my RB3. And this is honestly, and we were talking about this pre-show, but look, everybody wants to sit here and shade people's ranks. And, and you know, Twitter is a great place that loves to talk about how accepting they are of different ideas until you vary from the echo chamber. Oh, and yes. then they're like, what is this? Oh, that's just for clicks. Blah, 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 blah. And then you can back it up with the process and it don't matter, man. You can be like, yeah, but here's the things. Here's the reason. And they're like, yeah, but you do know he sucks, right? Like, bro, did you watch the film? So anyway, getting into the real meat and potatoes of this class, where it starts, my RB4, my RB4 is Evan Hole. My RB5 is Tajay Spears, and rounding out that top six is Roshan Johnson. Listen, I, I knew Evan Hull was coming up. I, I didn't think it was happening quite this soon, so maybe I just haven't stayed truly mm-hmm. careful. But I know you've been screaming from the rafters about Hull. I, I like and, ballers. I'm not going to sit here and apologize for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of like lost a little bit at Northwestern, but the entirety of their offense tested through the roof. I mean, he's he truly is a dynamic athlete he's going to be a draft capital guy for sure you know and and the Charbonnet to Gibbs flip-flop I mean is Gibbs everyone's talking this sub 200 pound threshold and JJ Zacharias is actually going sub 210 is really the the issue so is, is that what kind of pivoted Charbonnet who has like a prototype running back build and production um over Gibbs mm-hmm. is that what ultimately got you to two and three so yeah and and really everybody comes down with Gibbs as far as like okay like he's gonna be a passing down back from the word go and I'm like yes I think that that is going to be a big part of his skill set but we're also assuming you know a little bit of rational coaching with that too like if he's going to make his hey, you also have to talk about offensive design. We don't know any of that. Whether you're air dropping him into a situation that has a running quarterback, does not have a running quarterback, you know how how their offense is designed. And this is not me hating Jameer Gibbs. I like Jameer Gibbs, but it's two different things for me, guys. Like with Jameer Gibbs, the fact that he weighed in under 200 pounds, Twitter could talk about it being an uh, arbitrary threshold all it wants to. But when you really get into the meat and potatoes of it, like the 200 pound cutoff, the 210 mark, things like that, it freaking matters, man. If you look back over the last few years about guys that are sub 200 pounds, that even because we talk about volume is king in fantasy. Okay, well, let's talk about it. You look back over the last five or six years. 
who are you talking about that's gotten over 150 touches and they've been sub 200 pounds in the NFL? I mean, you could talk about that list on one damn hand. Mm -hmm. So you're going to sit here and pick like, you're going to sit here and tell me from the jump, this dude, you're already talking about if you're pegging him to be a lead back to get over 200 touches and he's under 200 pounds, you're already kind of talking about him as being an outlier in that sense. If you think he's going to roll up volume. So I am with everybody in the sense that I think he's going to be a little bit of an outlier. If not, because of not crossing that threshold, Per process, I should be burying Jameer Gibbs more, but I'm not. And we also had to talk about Jameer Gibbs's game. Is he a very talented back? Yes. Is he really damn good in the passing game? Yeah. The dude has been, I mean, you look up over the last three years, Jameer Gibbs has not finished lower than ninth in yards per route run or lower than sixth in PFF receiving grade amongst all running backs with 20 or more targets. So yeah, he's really damn good in that department. But on the early downs, He's a breakaway runner. He does not break tackles at the same clip of a Bijan, a Zach Charbonnet. A lot of the early down guys, when you get deeper into this class and you talk about the second and third tiers of this class, maybe the fourth tier, because there is a long, long tier after these top few guys of guys that project to be at their best, probably like a 1A or an early down compliment is going to need a pass game compliment with them because they're they're just not great in the passing game. Where Jameer Gibbs is, is I mean, he's he's you're gonna project him to get a lot of early down work. It's gonna be tough. I mean, over the last few years, he's 45th, he's 70th fourth, 74th in yards of contact per attempt. Those are not fantastic metrics. Even in his best year last year, he was only 35th in PFF elusive rating. Like, yeah, I talked about the guy who can break long runs. We've seen the long speed. That's really where he makes his hay. So part of how I evaluate running backs is when I go into running backs, yes, I care about the metrics. Yes, I care about the numbers. But also when I'm watching film, one of the biggest questions that I have, and I want running backs to answer this, is can you create yards on your own and if you can do that and the better that you can do that is you're more of situation agnostic you're more of you don't need an upper tier offensive line to break you into space you don't need that component but guys that are like gibbs that are runway backs that are breakaway backs they need a crease now if they get the crease and they can run to daylight shit he's off to the races but if he gets contacted contacted behind the line we might have some problems if he can't outrun the guy. So my, my, the, the only uh, branch I have to hold on to here is Chris Johnson happened 15 years ago. And that yep. seems to be everyone's kind of rationale why Jameer Gibbs can happen. And two, it raises a totally different question. Have we gone too far with PPR valuation in the way that we rank running backs because of the NFL and the devaluation of the 300 carry back? I think to an extent, to an extent. And that's kind of, that's honestly exactly kind of where I come down on the, on the Charbonnet versus Gibbs case. Zach Charbonnet, I think is an underrated wide receiver, uh, underrated receiver out of the backfield. Am I telling you that he's going to be a top tier, top shelf guy as a receiving back in the NFL? No. Is he going to be good enough to where he can 
because he's not coming off the field. He can develop into being a competent pass blocker at, at minimum. His, his competency in the passing game, can he be a guy that gets you 50, 60 targets just based off of he's the workhorse and he's on the field? Yeah, I think that's absolutely in his range of outcomes. So if that's the case, okay. Um, if Jameer Gibbs does not hit the top part of his outrange, his range as far as targets, then what are you looking at for Gibbs? Is he going to get you 150 carries? Can he get you 200 carries? Can he get you 250? Also, can he get the goal line work? Like, that's the other part. Like, we talk about all this kind of stuff. Like, can he get the goal line work? Like, Zach Charbonnet, I have no qualms or questions. Where he goes, he is going to be involved in the red zone. He is going to be in the mix for goal line touches. Can he carve out a role that where he gets 100% of those? think it's possible. That is a harder path and a harder picture to sit here and paint for Jameer Gibbs. So, yeah, I mean, I think it all comes down to context and how you rank these guys and what we're looking at. Um, I think that some evaluations, the, the pass game is what gives running backs the highest possible ceiling and the access to that. Because outside of that, you're looking at the top range of a guy's outcomes, unless he hits like some crazy touchdown outlier you're looking at, okay, probably a low-end RB1 at at his tip-top. The guys that can get the touchdowns, get the pass game usage on top of 150 carries, can they break the bank and be a, a top three RB? Absolutely. But to that extent, too, if we're all chasing volume and I'm looking at Charbonnet as a guy could get upwards of 300 touches, can Jameer Gibbs say that? I don't know. Well, you know, it's yeah. funny you mentioned the, the red zone, and I've been doing a bunch of mock draft stuff for DLF, NFL, mm-hmm. fantasy, just mock mock crazy lately. And um, the one spot I've seen Gibbs to a couple times is the Bears. And I was like, ooh, what, what oh. kind of workload is that? And it's like you said, in, in the red zone where Fields is probably inclined to pull it down and run a bunch in, it's like that's – for, for a guy like Gibbs or, or, or A-Chain or somebody that's, you know, a little smaller and, and could be a red zone guy but more of a passing guy, that's like a death sentence. And there's more teams with quarterbacks like that. You know, you got Philly, your Buffalo, where I think on paper you go, oh, that's a good offense. That's a good spot for him. And then you think about it for a minute you go, shit, this probably isn't a good spot because where he could possibly – have a little bump in fantasy value, it probably gets taken away just by the style that those quarterbacks play. Yeah. And I mean, and, and just to throw this to people throw there out there for people, because I <clears throat> I'm talking about the, the cutoff and the 200 pounds and stuff. I don't want to just throw this out there because a lot of people do that and not backing up with, with further context. If you go all the way back to, to, to 2017. So since 2017, this is the list of running backs that have logged 200 touches in a season. Philip Lindsay in 2019, Philip Lindsay in 2018, Miles Gaskin in 2021, Deion Lewis in 2017 and 2018. That's the list. That's it. Done. Period. Over. Gone. <laughs> I didn't know Gaskin made that list. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. that one Miami. You're like, what? Nothing else. <laughs> 222 and 21, man. Yeah. Yep. Was that random Deion Lewis? But that's too. it, man. Like that is the list. So if you're we 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 preach volume is king, then why the hell are we sitting here talking about a one ninety nine pound back and being like, wow? I mean, yeah, shit, yeah. Let's just roll him into two hundred fifty touches. Like, come on, you noob. Haven't you watched this film? Like, okay, like 
that's cool and that's great and that's grand and like i love you know buying into talented players and i'm not telling you the guy's a damn schmo but projecting that type of volume to him and saying it is a certainty is not something that i'm going to do like that's my comp for jameer gibbs is he's a faster deandre swift straight up well, i mean think about even just in, in two years ago that would have been a great leagues in one QB leagues, there's a pretty good chance Gibbs is the number two in most of those leagues, especially the way yep. people value running back. So no way in hell he'd be my number two. Nope. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I, I think which is good if you're drafting later because you know yep. <laughs> guys you want are gonna hopefully fall down the board to you a little bit. Yeah, yeah I but. mean, like in most leagues, you're gonna be able to get Zach Charbonnet after Jameer Gibbs. Like that's just gonna happen. And I mean, assuming both of these guys both go in the second round of the NFL draft, like if they get similar draft capital, like you're gonna see Jameer Gibbs go off the board probably eight times out of ten ahead of Zach Charbonnet. And that's one of those spots like you're talking about the bar, like you just trade back a pick or two and pick up a third, pick up a second for next year, and just enjoy drafting Charbonnet. So yeah. we, we've we've mentioned draft capital a couple times, and I had a more general question for you. So have we we've seen in the NFL, especially the last couple of years, um, you know, at the running back is just devalued. They don't want to pay him. They don't invest a lot of draft capital. And typically with a few outliers here and there. Do you think that like the fantasy community, we should pay less attention to draft capital? I mean, no matter where Robinson goes, if he magically fell to the end of round two or something crazy. He's still going to be everybody's RB one. And we're talking about Gibbs or Charbonnet going, you know, round two, but does it even really matter? Like with other positions, I, I, I feel like I don't care anymore. Like if I like my guy and I like where he lands, you know, if he's, if he's a, a, a round five or round six guy, it's not a big deal anymore because we've even seen a handful of undrafted guys make a, a decent, you know, contribution for fantasy. So I think it matters to a point. And also this comes to context about ADP. Like when you're taking that stab on the RB that goes in the sixth round, you're not taking that stab in the first or second round of rookie drafts. You're taking that stab in the third or fourth round of rookie drafts. If you're taking that stab in the fourth round, sure. Like I, Fine. It, you know, that's baked into the ADP of where you're drafting the guy. We're all pushed back a little bit. And I think the draft capital still matters for these backs is it sows them into opportunity. And as long as they produce, it also gives them insulation going into the next year. Like, and, and I'll bring this up real easy. Like how many running backs have we seen come off of really damn good years and then just get cucked in the draft? Like, it happens year after year after year after year. Like we just last year, we could look back to Michael Carter, the um, years previously, Mar Marla Mack, you know, his James two was Robinson. ripping off James Robinson. These guys are ripping off thousand yard seasons and playing really damn good. And we're like, Oh, they're top 20 fantasy running backs. But then the teams are like, yeah, but we only invested fourth round capital in you. We could sit here and go out and get another guy that's more talented or as talented. We're going to sit here and pick him in the second round. And you see, that's the guy that takes over. Like, it took no time for Brees Hall to assume that role last year before he got hurt. So I'll push back on the draft capital. Where I think the draft capital comes in is, is giving you that insulation for walking into possibly the next draft cycle. Like, 
I'm not worried at all about Kenneth Walker getting replaced. I'm not worried at all about the Seattle Seahawks taking a running back in the top three rounds in the NFL draft. If I was somebody that had Tyler Algier in Dynasty, would I be worried about it? the Atlanta Falcons taking somebody? You're damn right. Um, and we could point to a lot of other running backs that have hit, like, as far as stretch run guys. You know, would I be worried about that? Like, um, somebody like Rashad White. Let's throw out Rashad White. Am I worried about Rashad White getting replaced? I think it's within the range. I think it can happen. I would not be shocked if Tampa Bay says, you know what? Shit, we our quarterback play is dog shit. Um, Rashad White was okay. He's a fourth round pick. Um, who would stop him if they took a Charbonnet in the second round? They go Bijan in the first round. Is that lesser likely to happen? Sure. Can we say that's an absolute certainty it won't happen? Hell no, man. No, nah, I mean, listen, Tampa Bay has bigger problems, so let's hope they don't because we're Rashad White advocates on this podcast. But Algier was the first name that came to mind for me, right? Fifth round draft capital last year, yep. was productive in the offense, but it's a run-based offense. So what's what's to stop Arthur Smith from doubling down at the position? Cordell Patterson, thirty two years old now. He is three yep. guys. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll throw out another. Likely. I want to throw out one more name since we're on the draft capital conversation, and I, I want to get y'all's takes on this guy. Another guy that maybe we should be moving in dynasty or could get cucked in the draft. Isaiah Pacheco, perfect example. You holding him? You selling him? What you doing? I'd be selling him religiously everywhere I had him, period. <laughs> it's, it's hard not to because you see they still are sprinkling in far too much of the pass catching back with Jarek McKinnon perennially bringing mm-hmm. him back. You know, it's it's a volume play with Pacheco, and they're just not a run-based offense. You know, they're still going to put it on Patrick Mahomes, you know, when push comes to shove. It's I, I hate to agree with you because, like the player – Landing spot to Jabari's point was phenomenal, even though it was late day three capital. But yeah, he's the guy you probably want to get off of. I mean, um, if I could get a 24 second, even if I'm projecting it late, I'd take that in a damn heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, team context, you know, certainly factors in how deeper you at the running back position if you're going to kick that can. But I don't disagree with you. You didn't sink high capital into him. I mean, in one of my leagues, I picked him up off of waivers after the rookie draft was done. Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, took him done. in the third round, fourth round of rookie drafts and you trade him for a second or a third or something like that, you're already you're is it a home run swing? No. Is it an equity gain? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're winning. Yeah. Where, yeah this, listen, you're looking to gain. So I, I mean, this argue. goes to kind of a bigger dynasty question. I mean, I've gone back and forth in this before. It's like at some point, like you said, you, you probably didn't spend a lot to get them. So if you're flipping them you, for a second, you are gaining the equity there. But aren't you losing the value of getting a sleeper who could produce points? I mean, obviously they replace him in the draft. But I always think about Tyreek Hill, who I got early. I, I was a little bit ahead of the curve uh, with him than most people. So I got him in he was probably my highest owned player for a while there because I had got him, gotten him so late the year that he came into the league as a rookie. And then I wrote it out and then I, I had traded him away in a few spots, kind of thinking along that line, which was, I got this guy in the late third, the fourth, I picked him up on waivers, but I could get a second or a late first for him. And I feel like more often than not, I regretted doing that. Whereas like, if Pacheco turns out, even if he's just, let's say, a, a high-end RB2 for the next four years, I think I would rather have him and feel like I got the win on that sleeper or value pick than flip him for a second. Because at the end of the day, the draft picks are always, you know, no matter how, how good you're at this, that you are rolling the dice a bit. 
you are rolling the dice, but also you're also dealing in a liquid asset that can only sit here and gain value. Probably the closer you get to that rookie class. I mean, how many, how many different outs does, does Pacheco have to sit here and for the bottom to fall out where he's not going to, he might, he might maintain that value that that's possible. And if you're not going to get the return, then I say hold. But the other part of this is, how many ounces he have for the bottom to fall out? Okay, well, could you get a second now? Okay, but what if they re-sign Jarek McKinnon? What if they take Jameer Gibbs in the second round? Pacheco's dead in the water. Did did Kareem Hunt effing up and CEH sucking ruin this for all of us that want to believe in the Andy Reid Kansas City back? <laughs> I mean, I'm, like... I'm willing to I'm willing to sit and roll that dice. If one of these guys goes into the second round of Kansas City, fine. I'm in. Okay. Mm. But you're telling, like, we just kind of played this out. And, like, mm. just looking at the, the NFL landscape, though, it's like, how many of the guys that are in starting positions, when you look at the landscape of the NFL, that have held starting positions for multiple seasons and outkick their draft capital, or hell, if you're just looking at it right now, like, how many guys are not first, like, top two round picks? Arizona, okay, Car- like, Connor. J.K. Dobbins top two rounds. Eckler. Falcons were worried. James Cook went in the second round. Eckler's really the only like outside of yeah. him. Who are we really pointing to? Like it, we had big hopes for Khalil Herbert. Okay, with the Bears squad, they they signed Deontay Foreman. Like mm. if you look at the NFL landscape, it's really hard to sit here and see like what what guys are even left standing that have outpaced their draft capital that weren't drafted in round one or round two as far as running backs. I mean, it, it's a short list. Yeah, can, can, can we just get someone to come and take Brian Robinson's job, please? I mean, that's that's all. Um, you might. Um, really I think I saw on the his the name's Antonio Gibson. <laughs> Tajay Spears had a top thirty <laughs> visit, I think, with Washington the other day. Uh, so maybe we'll, we'll get to them. Would be Emmony there, so. Then can we trade? Can we just trade it? Totally yeah. Antonio Gibson tangent we do every week here, but so let's get Gibson somewhere we can get Man, Antonio I, Gibson. I can't even go off on an on a Gibson tangent because I'm I'm probably gonna be tossing shade religiously. So it's probably better we don't segue to that for a good 30 minutes because we would we'd be on it for a while. Yeah, and listen, we've already went severely off the show sheet that this <laughs> want to do so and, and i don't happen yeah and i don't need my feelings hurt with antonio gibson so we're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna quickly pivot and it's i think this one kind of dovetails into something i knew we were going to get into with you is your favorite running back excluding the obvious guys and i think clearly it, it's evan hall as you have him yep. in the top five we didn't talk about him at all so nope. why don't you give the people a, a little bit of why evan hall all right. Well, let, let's start with debunking shitty narratives walking into athletic testing because I was at Senior Bowl and I'm watching Evan Hull do Evan Hull type of things in practice. And all I hear out of everybody that I was talking to was Evan Hull was probably going to run in a four sixes. Evan Hull was probably a sub athlete. Evan Hull was probably somebody I'm not going to be high on because Evan Hull is not a great um, athlete and he's going to test bad. Well, Evan Hull um, one. The kid is fantastic. I got a chance to interview him at Senior Bowl. Absolutely. I mean, his personality is electric. He's going to be awesome, whatever locker room he goes into the NFL. Number two, the dude tried to tell people then. Like, I straight up asked him. I was like, all right, man, like, people talking, they're shading you 40. What's it going to look like? He said, I'm running in the four fours. 
I said, oh, shit. Okay, let's go. Like, I pegged him watching film as a 4-5 guy. Then you're walking out of combine testing. Evan Hall walks away with a 9.34 RAS score. And for everybody listening at home, that's really <laughs> damn good. Now, you also compare this against, and I'm not going to sit here and say he's of this caliber. I'm just going to read these numbers off to you guys, okay? Evan Hall ran a 4.4740. This other player ran a 4.46. Evan Hall's 10 yard split was also electric. 1.53. This other player is 1.54. His vertical was 37. This other player, his vertical was 37 inches as well. 10 foot, three inch broad jump, 10 foot, four inch broad jump. If you're wondering the name that I'm comparing to Evan Hall, the wondering <laughs> player that you just, I just sized up Evan Hall against, he tested the freaking same as Bijan Robinson. So for everybody out there saying he's a sub athlete, you better stow your shit. You better delete those tweets. <laughs> you better sit here and walk that shit back and moonwalk, baby, because he is a damn good athlete. And the thing about Evan Hall is we want guys that we were talking about this, okay, that can play in the passing game. Big media doesn't want to sit here and tell you Evan Hull led all FBS freaking running backs in receiving yards last year. They also don't want to tell you that he was seventh in yards per route run last year. Evan Hull is a damn baller. Like, yeah, I'm going to have as much exposure. And people are like, holy shit, you got him ranked as your RB4. Like, what are you doing? He's being mocked in the sixth round. I don't give a damn where he's being mocked right now. It's a mock. Like... <laughs> That shit can be wrong. Like, Easily if he is. goes in round three, okay, what are you doing with him then, people? If he surprises you and goes in round four, what are you doing with him? Like, that's my whole pushback. Right now, I'm evaluating players, prospects, their profile, their productivity, and their basically the idea of them as a prospect. So where do I rank Evan Hall? It's RB4 because he's one of the few running backs in this damn class that has the real skill set to be a three-down workhorse in the NFL. Very few guys in this class that you could say that about. And he already debunked the bullshit myth of his testing. Yeah, dude, he he is going, has been, and will be my flag plant. And I'm going to adjust when we get draft capital. But I freaking love the guy. Yeah, I mean, listen, 5'10", 209 checks the weight boxes, right? 21 on the bench, not not too shabby for a running back. Nope. Also had a yeah. sub-seven-second three-cone as well. I mean, so on top of everything else you already laid out as far as his athleticism, then playing on shitty Northwestern, 55 receptions for 546 <laughs> yards and yeah, two so touchdowns. Let's, let's throw that out there. Point. Northwestern was absolute <laughs> dog shit last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what someone else had said this, not my original narrative. It's like the entire game plan against Northwestern is stop Evan Hull. Yep, and they still could beginning the end. You know, knew it was coming. You know, still had north of 200 carries on the season as well, so you can <clears> tell he can hold up. And you know, those receptions are gold. So uh, I'm there with you. I'm, I'm not quite as high. He's not on my top five. You know, not well, so you can't get there for me. But love the athleticism, like the profile. You know, just need to do some more digging on. And people, on, so. people want to throw the, his tackle breaking <laughs> metrics last year, and I'm not going to shy away from those because it is a discussion point. He was outside the top 100 in breakaway run rate and yards after contact per attempt last year. So, yes, is that a data point we need to look at? Look at? Sure. Again, we need to give context to this. If Northwestern doesn't have any other outside receiving threats, their quarterback is dog water, what is stopping you from stacking the damn box? 
And Evan Hall, I'm not telling you that he's a damn burner. Okay. He's going to be a chunk play guy in the NFL. Are you going to see him ripping 60 yard runs to the freaking house? No. Are you going to see him running and breaking 15 yarders, 10 yarders, 30 yarders, 40? Sure. And part of that comes to blocking Northwestern's offensive line outside of Skaronsky was bad. You also add in that they had no other offensive weapons or reasons for defenses to not stack the box. Um, then this all makes the narrative like Evan Hall, Evan Hall didn't have a lot of running room. But if you go back to, and this is what I want to get to, because a lot of people look at his his tackle-breaking metrics in 2022, and they say, well, he's he's terrible. If you go back to 2021, he was 23rd in missed tackles forced. He was top 40 in, in PFF elusive rating, breakaway rate, and yards after contact. So, yes, last year was not great from those metrics, but the year before that was perfectly fine. Like it. And, and I just had to go back and look because I didn't even know who their leading receiver was. And it damn near was almost Evan Hull, but there was some guy yep. named Malik Washington who was able to cobble together 694 yards. So Evan Hull's second leading receiver on the team, by far the leading rusher uh, on the team as a Cam Porter <laughs> mustered a measly sub 300 rushing yards. So you're talking about a yardage share <laughs> skyrocketing <laughs> compared to mm-hmm. his competition. So right there with you and you know, beyond Skaronsky, no one is talking about anyone on the offensive side of the ball for Northwestern. So it's uh, it, it, it bears context. Uh, I'm there with you. So I know you've been all over Evan Hall all along. I knew he was going to come up, wanted to give him his due in here. So we go from kind of a, your guy to a, uh, who are you fading? It's and, and the way John positioned this is some that some people are on. So not fading someone that no one has inside their top ten or twelve. Who's a guy that you're just not? You just can't get there on. So he's we're, a, he's we're a multiple guys. We we are um, not, not haters at let, let, Let's go to. I mean, I'll, I'll bring up two guys that are easy fades for me. <laughs> I I don't understand a lot of the Kendra Miller hype. Um, I, I I've seen some people rank him as high as like RB two, RB three, RB four, all this kind of crazy. Like I, I just, I can't get there, man. Like his dominator rating was not high in college. His best rate, his best season you're looking at like, yeah. I mean, did he pop in some um, tackle breaking metrics? Sure. But he's a North South one speed runner. I think he's going to have to fit into a gap scheme. He's not a fantastic pass catcher. You're looking at a player that's outside the top 70 in both PFF receiving grade and yards per route run last year. I, I, I'm just not on Kendra Miller. He's an upright guy. Again, we're talking about like his tackle-breaking ability. I just don't see him as anything more than like a boring volume grinder guy, and I don't think he's going to get amazing draft capital. Like I, I see him as an early day three guy. And at that spot in round four, I'm just like, eh, like I'm not that interested in Kendra Miller. So versus consensus, I know he's kind of buried in my ranks and I'll bring up another guy. I look, this is not just the fact that I was at senior bowl and I saw this guy face plant really hard there, unfortunately, (laughs) but Chase Brown had a terrible damn week, terrible week. I am not on Chase Brown. Um, look, did he go out and help himself by testing really well? Absolutely. Is he also a player that in two of the last three seasons has finished outside the top 40 and yards after contact per attempt, PFF elusive rating and breakaway run rate? Yep. And he is not a good receiver. Every single one-on-one drill at Senior Bowl, Duke could not separate. Dude had linebackers in his back pocket didn't catch shit, was dropping passes, and he got blown the hell up in pass protection. So 
if you're looking at Chase Brown and having like a projectable receiving utility at the next level, good luck. I don't know what the hell you're looking at. Um, and outside of that, you're looking at he is probably the lesser unsexy version of Israel Bandicanda. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just not about that life. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, you just you just made me happy because right now Kendra Miller's eleven for me, and I think that's still more name brand than I, anything else. TCU is in. I have him at RB thirteen. <clears throat> yeah, so like minded, and then Chase Brown, currently RB fifteen for me. He was not ranked <laughs> for me pre combine, so his yeah. combine testing at least put him on the map for me. He didn't do agility testing, which I think speaks to where you're going with him. Is that he's he's got he's tight hips, at, man? He's not going to get you away don't from see lateral agility with him. <laughs> Yeah, so he did the things he knew he was going to, you know, exceed yep. at, but that was after it, by all accounts, from everyone that was there, an all-time worst senior bowl. I mean, just couldn't have got out of there, couldn't have got out of there quick enough <laughs> and start the testing for the combine. But yeah, I'm not there on Chase Brown either. I think John, you're a little higher on Brown um, than clearly D. Brown and I are. Yeah, I like you know, <laughs> and I mentioned the the count before. I I see a lot of. Not a lot, but a little Robert Smith, old Vikings <laughs> in him. Smith. Yeah. Well, you probably hate my comp. Do you want to know what my comp is for, for Miles Gaskin. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I like Gaskin. I just had no idea he had that many touches that year. I was gonna say that's a compliment. Yeah, I don't think he's getting there. <laughs> yeah, I mean I just yeah, I'm not a Chase Brown guy. He was a volume mm-hmm. hog at Illinois. I was not impressed with his tape. And then all the reports at the Senior Bowl kind of told me everything I needed to know. I mean, he just got back on my radar because of the testing. But I, I'm going to have precious little Chase Brown um, in, in any of my leagues. What do you What do you think of Sean Tucker? I think Sean Tucker falls in a long list of guys that are going to be landing spot and hopefully committee backs like one A's if they pan out. Um, I'm lower on Tucker than, than consensus. Um, He had a terrible 2022, like every metric that I care about, he bombed it. 2021, he was top 30 and damn near everything I care about. I, I, if you stick him in a zone run scheme, a, a, like a wide zone heavy scheme, can he succeed? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's possible. Um, I, I don't look at him as having a high pass catching upside. I think that you're looking at like his best is probably going to be as an early down compliment. Um, but even if we're just talking about his running, like I still have some issues with with like his running style. Like I don't think his vision is absolutely great. You see him. He's he hesitates at the line. It's like when you're asking him to 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 push and feel the you know how you push the line. You're gonna and then you explode up through the crease for for zone runs. You you see him hesitate a lot, and whether that means okay, we need to get him in a gap scheme. Just say, look, let's get you downhill. Let's get get this moving. I just have more questions about Tucker. Like I don't see any pass game utility. And I don't think that he's special enough as a runner to carve out a yearly early down committee uh, role. Yeah, the, the the reason I asked was he's just out of all the guys in this class, like I, I just have no opinion whatsoever. And I've seen him in some mocks. Uh, walk, I think you were the the, the mock I was doing. He, somebody took him twelfth overall. So I mean, I've seen no, him. No, no. Yeah. correct. But I've have, seen him. Have that. It's there. 
I, I've seen him get the fantasy draft capital in, in quite a few mocks, but it's like, I can't, there's no world, even if I got him in the fourth and it's like a steal where I'm like, sweet. I came out of this draft with Sean Tucker. Like I just, yeah, no, not good, not bad. There's other guys who I would rather <laughs> roll the dice on the upside. Just he, he's the, the definition of meh to me. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. Sean Tucker's my RB12 right now. He's right above. And just to give context, <laughs> we're talking about all the shade right here. RB12 through RB14 is uh, is a nasty zone. I got Tucker, Kendra Miller, and Chase Brown. So it ain't looking pretty, guys. Yeah, listen, we, we found the sweet spot, apparently. Yeah, he's he's my RB14, and I just found myself watching his, his home video combine as he wasn't allowed to participate. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you can sit here and do a combine on your iPhone, that's supposedly, you know, whatever. Maybe they took out a laser pointer pin and was like, okay, rip us a laser. Like... I'm sorry. I don't think any NFL teams are buying your your iPhone combine, bud. No, I mean two two things. You know, my own personal commentary. One, I know he's a track guy, and he looked like he was running slow as shit to me. It is forty on the video, and two, he didn't lock out his arms on half of his reps uh, on the bench. So <laughs> the bench, yeah, I saw the bench. I saw the bench video, and I was like, man, bench bros are going to eat him alive. Yeah, come on, come on, <laughs> come on, guys. That's yeah. You might want to do a take two uh, on the on the bench. So, all right, so we got. Through tops, bottoms. Yeah, it, it, John does have one. Who are you targeting at the bottom of the class? Is there a sneaky late round guy who we didn't talk about below these guys that we're shading right now that you just don't have ranked higher, but you're you're interested in? You might have some exposure to in deep drafts, say like you know four or five round rookie drafts. So I'm very very curious where Dwayne McBride goes in the NFL draft. He is a guy that if you turn on the tape. Is he going to wow you and you'd be like, Woo, this is this is fantastic? <laughs> Probably not. But if you're if you're a spreadsheet bro, he pops in so many things that I care about. Like his tackle breaking metrics are silly. They're they're absolutely ridiculous. Like over the last two years, he is not ranked outside the top eleven. In yards after contact per attempt, breakaway run rate, or PFF elusive rating. He's ranked inside the top 11 in all of those categories in each of the last two years. Much less he's got a 93rd percentile college dominator. Like, I think that if he gets surprising capital, we're talking about like late round three, um, early round four. I think that he could surprise some people. Um, I think that and he, he has, and I'm going to say this, he has no pass game utility. None. <laughs> yeah. Like, projecting any type of pass game utility for Dwayne McBride is just wish casting, dude. Like he got 10 targets in college. He had 0.16 <laughs> yards per route run. <laughs> like, he had a, a staggering 50% catch rate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not good, man, but could Dwayne McBride land in a spot where he's able to carve out an early down roll? And I was talking about like Sean Tucker, not being a special talent running the ball. If Dwayne McBride's tackle breaking, and yes, he's coming out of small school like UAB, if that translates to the NFL, he does have on paper what looks like special enough rushing talent to hold a role like that. So, uh, and, and I guess to paint the picture for people and looking at kind of where you'd project him, my comp for Dwayne McBride is Damian Harris. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I see him like if he hits the top end of his his possibilities, could he land on an offense and get you 900 yards, thousand yard season, eight to ten touchdowns, be the goal line guy? Yeah, I I could paint you that picture pretty easily. So depending on where he goes, um, I'm gonna be I, and and that might not not be deep enough for people, but like that's my RB ten. Like in this class. Like I said, after you get past like RB3, this class is choose your own adventure. Basically, ranks are differing whew, all over the board. You'll see some people have Devon A. Chain as RB4. Some people like me say, okay, yeah, well, that's great and grand, but you're betting on an outlier and he's small as shit. He's my RB9. Mm. You know, like it's, it really just comes down to flavors of backs and how it, like, until we have capital, what we're looking at. So McBride from the tap, from the ability of his rushing talent stands out to me. The other guy that honestly, like kind of bombed his testing, but depending on where he goes, I'll still have, I, I've got some hope and faith. And some of this comes down to like, we're talking about the pass game upside. And I, I'd be remiss if I wasn't talking about Kenny McIntosh here. I, I mean, he he performed well on zone carries. We've seen what he can do in a part-time role at Georgia. He was 36th in PFF elusive rating. But if you look at his, his receiving ability, it's fantastic, man. Like, mm-hmm. he was first in PFF receiving grade, 30 yards per route run last year, spent 18% of his snaps in the slaughter out wide. And what really drew me to McIntosh is – the dude looks like a damn flanker when they line him up and ask him to run routes. Like he can run routes when they stuck him in the slaughter out wide. You'd see him like he was running slants. He'd run out routes and he did not look like, like just like basically somebody stuck him in an uncomfortable position and said, okay, do this. And he's like out there just flubbing it up. So with that type of pass game upside, even though the testing wasn't fantastic, I'll take some shots on him in rookie drafts. Yeah, you were being super kind to Mr. McIntosh. Um, his testing was absolute dog shit. Uh, that I mean, was bad. It's it was, you know six foot really two bad. or four. My man threw the six point four point six two forty out there, and just for good measure, ran on you know roughly a seven point seven three count. Uh, I mean, it's just not helping. A lot of red on the Raz here. I mean, the, the splits were decent enough, but his, even his explosion was poor. I mean, a 407 Raz does not help his cause. And I'd like him as well with that pass game upside, but that level of athleticism or lack thereof is terrifying to me of any investment. What I, I will point though, Walk, what I will point back on it though, is that if you're looking for a ray of hope, his 40 yard dash sucked like 4.62, not great. Yeah. But if uh, there are a lot of um, there's a high correlation <clears throat> between tackle breaking metrics and tackle breaking ability and the 10 yard split. Yep. So his 10 yard split was 70th percentile. So for painting a, a, a rosy picture, that is a plus in his bag. But, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like he he fell on his face <laughs> for the rest of it. Yeah, I also can't forget that he had a wide-open touchdown at Georgia and tripped on grass a la Daniel Jones and just fell over. (laughs) Turf Monster's real, baby. Okay, Turf Monster does not sit here and discriminate. It is real. It comes for everybody. 
Yeah, sometimes perception is reality. And the other one, you know, Dwayne Danny McBride, I am as running back then as well. You know, he was seven. He fell a little bit, but through no fault of his own. Some other guys rose for me, but he still is in my top mm-hmm. ten. And you know, as a point of context, over three thousand rushing yards and thirty-two rushing touchdowns the last two seasons. You're right. Couldn't catch a cold, five receptions over that point in time. And you know, that's gonna be a, a limiting behavior for him. So he'd have to fall into like your cop Damian Harris type opportunity where you know, the, the goal line work is all his, you know, to, to mm-hmm. really return value because not only didn't he catch passes, he will not catch passes in the NFL yeah. either. I mean, just with all the specialization as well, he's never going to get that opportunity <laughs> to, to show what he does not have. So he, uh, he's very landing spot dependent. I got a, I got a fun trivia question for you guys talking about McIntosh's awful, uh, <laughs> combine performance. But, sp- speaking of uh, terrible Georgia running backs at the combine, uh, guess what Elijah Holyfield's was? Oh, he's still running his 40, I think. <laughs> In an alternate universe, he's still actually running it. What, he has 474, something like that? He is uh, 479. Yep, it was bad. He's a tight end in a running back's body, baby. His, his, rest, is. his score was... Uh, Two point five. <laughs> when, when that, you know what that is? That's just it's that's a case hit. of when they ask the fullback to go do running back drills. Yeah. Oh shit. Get... Yeah. Devin yeah. Singletary was one point six five. Yeah, Singletary was not great either. Was not, motor was not good either. No, the motor was dead. It sounded like wow. a weed eater in that. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess real quick before we get out of here, I guess uh, uh, the only thing really cover was. Um, as far as NFL landing spots, are there teams or systems where you're thinking are better landing spots for guys this year than in, in years past or places you're hoping people don't go to? So I think the the fantastic dark horse spot that I've been hoping or wish casting that one of these backs falls into round one or round two um, would be the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think it's perfectly the contract stuff, the lack of productivity. Um, everything's kind of lining up like they could just cut cut Joe Mixon and part ways with him. Um, and it would not shock me at all. Like they, the Bengals do not have a ton of needs. Now, am I saying, OK, we have the cherry on top of the running back pick? I'm not saying that. But what is like you're looking at also their capital structure coming up? You're going to have to pay Chase. Coming up, you're going to have to pay T. Coming up, you're going to have to pay Burrow. Okay, well, how about we not sit there and have to pay a running back? So we draft him. We have the cost certainty of that for the next four years. And Joe Mixon sucks. So let's put that on top of it. So I think that Cincinnati is probably my favorite uh, spot to hope for a running back. Um, Some other ones that I think make a good bit of sense. uh, Baltimore, J.K. Dobbins is an unrestricted free agent after this year. Um that offense could look very, very explosive. We don't know what Lamar Jackson is going to do, but if he doesn't go back there, if Baltimore could honestly, that's why I I really like them as a running back spot, because if they don't retain Lamar Jackson, you could see that entire offensive system shift. Yeah. If they bring in a quarterback and and the name that I was uh, kicking around in my head the other day was Teddy Bridgewater. Like he's still hanging out there. We've seen service of quarterback play. You wanted to sit here and play ground and pound, just ask him to be serviceable and let the defense win. Bridgewater can do that for you. 
So, like, if this were to play out, Baltimore could be a really good landing spot. Back goes there in round two, round three. J.K. Dobbins is gone next year. Then you have a re totally redone system. And, oh, my God, running backs can actually catch passes in this system. Right, um, yeah, okay. Keep Mark Andrews afloat. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, 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 um, I'm coming around. <laughs> Dallas also. Um, yeah, I think Dallas absolutely. is a really good landing spot. Tony Pollard, I don't think they bring him back. Franchise, one-year deal. I think he's gone after this year. So whoever they bring in to share the load with him could be the, just a full-time bell cow next year. Um, those are a few good spots. Um, what's another one? Um, uh, you know what? Let's go with this one too. Um, how about the Raiders? Josh Jacobs is only on a one-year franchise deal. He doesn't come back. I have been on board with the fact that I, Zamir White, is he's a jag. I and I'm sorry, but he is like whatever special five star, woo, my lord, ability that was in him was robbed by injuries. It's gone. His tackle breaking breaking metrics coming out of Georgia were substandard. They were bad. He's just he's a grinder. And I think again, we're talking about capital. He went in the fourth round. There is nothing to preclude them to, for moving on or drafting a guy next year or hell this year. And just saying, okay, we're going to preempt Josh Jacobs moving on after this year. We re-signed him so we weren't in a pickle. And, you know, if Vegas is going to run it back with Josh McDee, although I don't know if that happens, he could get himself fired this year. Um, the Raiders are a really good spot. Yeah, I mean, I think they were trying to prepare for the future with Zemir White, and then they got him in-house and realized that he wasn't it. That he, well. he's he's not good. Yeah, he's, 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 now we got a tag. Another <laughs> dude. Yeah. I mean, you, you nailed some spots, and I know you got to get out of here, but I mean, that second round yeah, is kind of littered with a lot. You know, you were second Atlanta Falcons, you know, with that Algier being at risk at 44. That's a sweet spot. The Dallas Cowboys at 58. The Bengals at 60, and Zach Charbonnet just seems like a marriage to me. We didn't even talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, baby. Yeah, I, I see. And see, this is where we might get, we, we might disagree a little bit. I don't think it's a good spot. Um, why? Tell me why. I walk. They don't. Throw I, and I'm bringing back. it up because I know that's your team. So yeah, they don't throw to the back. It. It's, it's not a product of the offense. You know, I mean, Miles Sanders is a quality pass catching back. Couldn't couldn't catch a cold last year. I'm not saying he's great, but they, he would be limited. I mean, his upside would be limited. Jalen Hurts is going to be scoring eight to ten to twelve rushing touchdowns for the next three to four years easily. Just the way the offense is constructed with that whole goal line push, things of that nature. Like the goal line ro- role is diminished in that offense. They'll rotate anyone in there, and I know Bijan is light years beyond the Gainwells and the Boston Scots and all, but they use a rotation to some degree. I just, as much as people just because it's a, you know, kind of explosive offense, I just don't ever see him being a 50 catch guy. So he would have to be the 15 touchdown guy. And, uh, and I don't want to bank on that. So I, I, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. I, I think your, your, your Philly fandom is, is blinding you just a tad. Okay. Um, <laughs> Miles Sanders was fourth in red zone touches last year. He was 12th in opportunity share, and he was 17th in weighted opportunity. The dude was RB21. If I get that kind of productivity out of a round two, round three back, that, and we're not, we're assuming that like, okay, basement level Miles Sanders talent. If we're saying that Zach Charbonnet is a better running back than Miles Sanders, and I, I think he is, could they outpace what Miles Sanders did? If you get a guy with size, like like we didn't even talk about him the entire class, like the entire time. If you get one of these two guys, like you get an explosive guy like Tajay Spears that lands lands there, uh, sign me up. That can catch passes. 
if they get a big bully guy that like fits well with game well he's a north south runner like a roshan johnson that can break tackles like it's his business and it is then could he be better than miles sanders in that context of that offense yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, Miles Sanders only scored 11 touchdowns. If he got right. into the 15 area, you're looking at a top 15 back. Maybe he's an RB1. Yeah, I mean, the irony is I was arguing pro Miles Sanders all last year as far as value was concerned. Um, and not so opposed. I, I think yeah, but now you're fading the spot because it's not Wait, Miles I, Sanders yeah. there? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think Miles Sanders is a good pedigree. I think he is a quality okay. back okay. You know, as well. Second round pick for, you know, for the Eagles. So no, they're not yeah. getting better draft capital than him. Mine was more the Bijan. It's like they're talking about like the, the Eagles luxury He's not pick. Go, they're not going, going, going there, right? So that no, that's no. where I'm thinking is don't diminish the, the player. So, you know, Rashad Penny on a one-year deal, who I think if he stays healthy could throw Drive you know, in this yep. offense if huge if he could stay healthy, huge if, but he's not going to catch any passes, right? So, could he rush for 1200, 1300 yards? Could he get 10 touchdowns? Yeah, is that going to make him a, mm-hmm. a high end RB2? Yeah, I mean, that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know. And, and granted, mm-hmm. we need these guys in fantasy as well. I just don't think whoever you put there has top 12, you know, in their reasonable range of outcomes just because of how the offense is constructed, what Jalen Hurts means to that offense and and the lack of involvement in the passing game. Even someone as prolific as Kenny Gainwell is at catching passes is somewhat marginalized in this offense. He would be far more productive elsewhere, in my opinion. So it's, yeah, they they would probably not a terrible answer. Mine was more for the top end guy. So yeah, a late day two, day three guy going to the Eagles, I'll be interested because they don't have long-term commitments to any other running backs either, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Penny's on a one-year prove-it deal, they re-signed Boston Scott to a one-year deal, and Gainwell's going to be coming at the tail end of his rookie deal as well. So it could be a, an ideal landing spot. I just don't want to see some of these top guys go there because I just think they won't be used oh, to, the full, I, to the breadth of their powers. I would love Charbonnet to go there. Good Lord, I would love Charbonnet to go there because the, the thing about it like with these guys, like, could you see the dynamic of – because the other thing is like, how much did, the, the, did Sirianni and the Eagles and stuff like that really – trust Miles Sanders like how good is he all these different types of questions for a guy that we've seen both one struggle with injuries at various points of his career struggle with under productivity struggle after his rookie season he has been a terrible receiver yes um regardless of however you slice it he's been bad bad so if you look at like if they got somebody in house that they felt because Miles Sanders like he he's a He's a decently sized, like he's 5'11", 211. You know, mm-hmm. like that that's not small. But if you got a guy like Roshan Johnson in there, and they felt good yeah. about just being like, you know what? Like offensive, like the defensive uh, game plan is is allowing it. Like they're running a shit ton of zone. They're just giving us running lanes. Can we give you 25 carries and you just beat the hell out of them? Absolutely. You know, so I, I, I look at it a little bit differently and I look like, some of the things of what running backs were asked to do in their situations kind of comes down to not only talent, but skill set and trust of the coaching staff. So if the flavor and the complexion of that changes with a new player, because the other part about this is Nick Sirianni and them did not draft Miles Sanders. They inherited Miles Sanders. So now if you go out and you get your own guy and they were to say, we're tossing second round capital behind this dude that's pretty strong assertion to be like, Oh shit. Like maybe he's their guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, listen, you tell me uh, Eagles at 94, go after Roshan Johnson, who I know you said was in your top five. He's my running back four as well. I think he's a reasonable yep. guy to be available in round three as well. Yep. Oh yeah. You know, oh, he's going to go in round three. I, I don't see Roshan going in round th- well, higher than round three. I think he's a perfect, like him and um, 
uh, Israel Bandicanda, I'm projecting like round three, round four. I think Israel might go ahead of him, considering the, the you know the testing stuff he just mm-hmm. blew out. Um, but I, I I put I put him and um him and Roshan in like round three, round four conversation. Like I think Tajay Spears could possibly rise up. I wouldn't be surprised um, if he was a round three, maybe late round two guy. So. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm just looking through my Eagles. We don't have a round four pick, so we're gonna we're gonna. Just go because up. Howie doesn't have it now doesn't mean Howie won't have it later. You yeah, know this I mean, walk. Yeah, listen, trade down from ten. Let's let's start the <laughs> conversation. Trade out of thirty-two. I already seen that. Like, let someone come in and get that fifth year. Mm-hmm. Same shit they did when they traded out of the Baltimore Ravens. Picked up Lamar Jackson. Keep acquiring capital. Move down. Acquire assets. We we got some holes to fill. So I'm with you. Things will change, but now you got me thinking about Roshan Johnson and. <laughs> Super excited uh, about that. You said you had a minute, so I'm going to steal this minute from you. And we did have one more thing. And it's just let's put a button on this, right? So the 23 running back class against the 22 running back class. How's it stack up? Hmm. I think it's deeper. Um, And you're going to have to remind me here. Um, Toss me some names from last year's class because I'm kind of apparently I need some caffeine here. Uh, Brees Hall was in last okay. year's class. Kenneth Walker Kenneth was in Walker. last year's class. Christ, it was running. I think you're looking at so just the top end guys. James Cook, he was at running back. Three. I think you're looking Whoa. at the top top end guys like Brees and Kenneth Walker would be in the mix for RB two, RB three. I, I would put honestly, Brees and Kenneth Walker would be right behind right behind Bijan. They would be RB two, RB three of this class. Charbonnet off the top of my head would be RB four then um, just looking at how it stacks up. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I, I nailed the top three. So number four was Rashad white. Then Tyrion Davis price. It will never happen. Was drafted. I would <laughs> then, put Rashad white in the stacking up these, these classes. <clears throat> I would put Rashad white probably as my RB eight. Like he, he would be hugging up. It'd be between him and tank Bigsby as my RB eight. Okay, and then there's, you know, Damian Pierce, who is kind of oh man, a, I love lot, a lot of people. Garland's yeah. last I love Damian. Damian would be if Charbonnet is my RB four. Damian would probably be RB five, RB six. He's in that oh, combina- right. conversation with with Jameer Gibbs. And he's a fan- he's a fantastic right. talent, dude. And then you already you already took the air out of Zamir White's tires, so we'll just let that one go. And then Isaiah spilled. He was already running on flats, baby. I didn't do anything. (laughs) Zamir did it to Zamir. As I'm kind of ripping through these, yeah, I mean, then Algier was in the fifth round when Hassan Hassan went way before him. Imagine Algier, kind of heir apparent to uh, Derrick Henry in Tennessee would look a lot better than Hassan Haskins right now. But, yeah, it wasn't a – Yeah, it kind of – Fizzled I think quick. the top end of that class looks better than the top end of this class outside past Bijan. Like when I looked at Brees, I looked at him as basically Brees is kind of like a Jameer Gibbs, except better. He's a better rushing talent. He has the same breakaway speed, but he can break tackles better. But he's a runway back zone mm-hmm. guy. Um, but I look at the top end of this class, like Kenneth Walker. I looked at like last. I, He's a special running talent. Like he's a guy like you could drop him into like, and everybody's like, oh, he's kind of an all or nothing type of runner. 
Seattle's run blocking line was terrible last year. They passed protected pretty decently. Their run blocking was not good last year. So you're talking about, okay, he got bottled up and then he broke away runs. Well, yeah, but some of that is not his talent. Can we also point to the fact of like, if the offensive line is not creating space for him, then you're really saying the only reason he got those breakaway runs is because the dude's a damn stone cold baller. If he didn't have that type of talent, then he wouldn't be breaking the big runs and he just continually gets stuffed. If the offensive line plays better, you're going to see more consistency out of his running ability. Yeah, I I like it. I, I wasn't like, he was my running back too last year, but he was clearly behind Brees all the entirety of the process. I, I just think it was to me the class wasn't as special behind him. I, I wasn't there on Kenneth Walker. I mean, he was mine too I by default. Um, because you know, or am I ever going to put James Cook, who I believe is going to fall into that same mantra? Is he ever going to get 150 carries? No, they just went and got Damian Harris to take all the heavy lifting again. James Cook's going to be the change of pace and and passing downs back in an offense it, again doesn't pass to the running backs that much either. So I mean, it's he's he's the the upside's limited. So there seems like there was this kind of definitive threshold uh, associated with who are the real alpha backs, and then there was a Damian Pierce who you were higher on clearly than than some others were in. in Later. I want to toss this back to you guys, and let's 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 throw a little thought thought experiment here. And and some of this is for all the Jameer Gibbs hype. Okay, how how absolutely and unequivocally crushed would all of draft Twitter and Dynasty Twitter be if Jameer Gibbs went out and had a James Cook esque rookie season? He gets drafted in the second round, and he goes out and he puts up a stat line like James Cook. How would people be feeling so, so good about all these Jameer Gibbs workhorse takes? Yucky. Oh, they'd still have all the next year. Yucky. Next year. He had to, <laughs> had to accumulate to the NFL game. Mm-hmm. It's acclimate, John, just, but I love you. For, I'm, just, for your- I'm just throwing it out there because <laughs> for everything, you know, James Cook love was hot and heavy last year. Um, landing spot, draft capital, all these different types of things. Some of the same concerns. James Cook, 5'11", 190 pounds, for those that forgot. A year's a long time. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that hurts because I wasn't high on James Cook, but I am high on Jameer Gibbs, so maybe I got some... I got some work to do. Gibbs, 5'9", 199. (laughs) A little more half to him. Yeah. Lower center of gravity. That's what we're going to go with today. Okay. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get there in the end. So I think we can. We you mentioned Tank Bigsby. Now I'm just now I'm just you know going going too far here. But you mentioned Tank Bigsby. He's oh, good. he's a you know college production guy. But he you know Auburn was talking about dog shit. You know with Northwestern and Evan Hall, Auburn sucked too. Who used to be you know recognizable. He wanted to transfer. I heard Cadillac Williams kind of <laughs> talked him into staying. Talking about we're gonna feature this offense around you, and it's like well sure you could do that, but the offense still sucks. He didn't test too well. Where where does Tank Bigsby fall for you? Because he, he's a guy that I'm I'm fond of. He's eight for me right now. <clears throat> I have Tank's bit, Tank Tank and we're holding hands again. He's my RB eight. Okay. Um, I like Tank, but I wonder Tank. Okay, Tank runs really hard. Tank is angry when he runs. Tank is strong. He has the ability to push the pile. Um. He's a north-south, he's a straight-line guy. I don't see a lot of lateral agility, and that showed up in his testing. I think he has average burst. So I think that you're going to... And the other thing about him is I think his vision can lapse. You'll see him on interior runs, and he'll try to like bounce them outside instead of taking a crease like on an inside zone run. And it's like, dude, you, you don't have the... 
you don't have the wheels and the juice to sit here and do that kind of stuff. Like, don't try to get creative. You sit here and you lose momentum and you screw yourself over when you do that. Like, you don't, you're not as explosive as you think you are. And like, are his metrics okay? Yeah. I mean, like, he finished top 15 in yards after contact per attempt two out of his last three seasons. One of his years was really putrid. He was out of, like outside of the top 80 and damn near everything you look at. So Tank Tank falls in that long tier of guys that are going to be very, very situation debate, like situation-based guys for me. Like, what's the draft capital look like? Where do the where's the landing spot for them? Like, I don't look at him again, talking about him kind of in. I think he's a better runner than Sean Tucker, but he's in a long, like he he's basically in that tier of guys like him, a chain, um, Dwayne McBride, um, of those guys that it's going to be depend on where he goes and what that situation looks like. So tank could guy, honestly, like if you're to tell me tank, what got third round capital found a good landing spot, and Roshan and Izzy go round four, and we're kind of like, eh, uh, mm, uh, then maybe Tank hops up and he's my RB6. Like, I think that, like, RB6 through RB8 or 9 range is all kind of fluid for me right now. Like, I don't, I'm not over the moon for Tank, but I don't hate the guy either. Like, I see there's a path for Tank to be good enough as an early down runner to get workhorse volume. It just really depends on how all of that shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 couldn't be with you anymore. And I didn't do the agility testing, which speaks exactly to how you were describing him as a North South runner, because he knows that, that wasn't going to end well for him. If, if he did some of that agility. Testing it's really, it's really funny walk. When we look at like all the testing and stuff, like what guys did and didn't do. And I find it so hilarious that the guy that my, my dude, Evan Hull was flamed for everybody for supposedly being a sub athlete. He's one of the few guys that did it everything. everything, everything. He didn't yeah. shy away from any of that shit. He said, yeah, I got you. No. And he, and he tested well where all of these other dudes are like, nope, a short area kind of sucks. Not doing yeah. that. I'll run really fast yeah. in a straight line. You'll like that. Watch me yeah. do it. Yeah. And they yeah. do it. Exactly. Show up and show out. Right. That's why you went to the combine. Right. Yeah. He you did know? every yeah. single drill. He said, I fine. You want to see it? I got it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, and I'm in the same boat. Tank was exactly what I thought he was going to be. Uh, yep. Uh, same. I mean, that's, you know, same. watching him play is he's, he's not an explosive athlete. He doesn't have tremendous agility. He's a North South hard nosed runner who, who was successful in the SEC, albeit in spite of a bad Auburn team. So I give him a little bit of, you know, he gets a little bump there, you know, with the, the caliber of competition, was able to find 30 receptions in a season. So he hit certain thresholds as far as, you know, capability of pass catching. Now, is it a strong suit of his? No, by no means. But, you know, has the ability. If you can you can add 30 catches onto your tally, onto your ledger in the pros, and you're a 200 carry back, you know, I'm, I am interested enough to keep you in my top 10. And so. he reminds me, and just to give people like an idea of how I'm viewing him and maybe – if he hits the top end, um, my comp for Tank Bigsby was Chris Carson. No, oh, man, talk about a an overproducer, wasn't he? Like a seven round pick, or was he a UFA? Yep, uh, for the Seahawks. I know yep. he's late, and he was, I mean, wasn't for that neck injury. I mean, that dude. Whew, but you look it. at Chris Carson, how his career played out. Like whenever he was healthy, he was awesome. But the way awesome. that he ran, punishing style, like. It, it was short. Unfortunately, it was very, very short-lived for Chris Carson. Um, I want to say he was a f- 
fifth round? Really? Was he fifth? Am I wrong he was here? Seventh round pick. I nailed seventh? it. Yep. Seventh round, 249 <laughs> overall in 2017 draft. You're right. I mean, two years. I mean, he got you got two years out of him. <laughs> yeah. Good job, John. Uh, yeah, when uh, 2018 and 19, yeah, where he was north of a, a thousand yards and seven touchdowns, and then he put up. What do we got on the reception totals? I mean, you know, 20 and 37 receptions as well. Yeah, some some banner seasons uh, for Carson. But to your point, yeah, picked up a neck injury and the way he runs, game over. Yep. Yeah, it's on top of Dropping Josh McDaniels news here. I mean, should we just say any free agent Patriot to the Raiders? Yep. <laughs> At this point in time, I mean, it's just essentially – Fully aware that he can't, he cannot coach on his own. He's like, I need to bring all the guys that already know what I'm trying to teach all these guys. And then the biggest fake sharp, yeah. biggest fake sharp in the game right now. And the dude's not gonna. I, I, I would be very surprised if Josh McDaniels is the coach of the Raiders in 2024. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, zero percent chance. <laughs> get, Maybe get out from under chasing that. him like he's actually any good at this shit. No, he'll just kill it. You know, you know what he'll end up being? Yeah, you know, we, we got the two-year window on Belichick to break the all-time wins record. They're just going to fold him right back under, and he'll, he'll end up being the OC <laughs> again, and, and the head coach when Bill Belichick retires. It'll be like nothing ever happened. It's like, didn't you take two jobs and decline a third one and fail everywhere else? But you're a Patriot. Yeah. I'll, I'll look at like him declining and backing out of that Colts job was such a blessing in disguise. Like Frank Reich was was such a good hire for them. I, they pissed me off, right? Because Frank Reich would have stayed another year in Philly because he would have missed the hiring cycle for head coaches as the OC. Don't be too And it was only because stupid Josh McDaniels, Don't. you know, had to give the old bait and switch. Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> the, be too uh, damn salty, Walk. He got a better coach right now yeah. than both of those dudes. So, you know, cold feet doesn't show up at the altar. Fucking, job. you know, Nick Sirianni. I love that dude. He, I think he's a perfect fit for Philly. I think he's a fantastic coach. So you can't be too. You're not too bad off right now. He he works. He works. I, I'll, I'll admit, I was I was a little skeptical, a little nervous at first with with Mr. Sirianni and his lack of you know experience. It's so funny. People, that, that press people hate on him. Yeah, the first press conference, people oh. hate on him, and now they hate on him because he talks too much shit. It's like. What do you want? Did you want him to act like the IT manager or do you want him to act like the Philly dude and sit there and talk shit to people? Yeah. Like, which one is it? I'm all in now. Just want to hate him. (laughs) Yeah. All in now. Can't win. Yes. But that, that should do it. We, we held you a little longer than you, uh, Wish to be here, but uh, we, no, we appreciate, for you boys, anything. The, the cozy sweater, John. <laughs> it's the cozy sweater. Bud. It feels good, man. I mean, you know, we still got a little bit of the the winter winter feels going on right now. I'm not opposed to a nice comfy hoodie. I got snow in Vegas hoodie. yesterday. I got a little flurry oh. action yesterday. Well, good for you. It was 85 here in Texas. Yay! I'm here in Philly, man. Apocalypse <laughs> is coming. Snowing in Vegas, sunny in Philly. All right, man. Bye. So thanks again for joining us. Good to talk to you again. Let everybody know where they can find you, and I'll get us out of here. Yeah, man. Uh, follow me at Debro underscore FFB. All things cooking and cracking over at Fantasy Pros. I'm um, on the main podcast two to three times a week during in-season. I'll be running it back this year with the primer um, for the regular season. Right now we have both our Dynasty draft kit um, and our best ball draft kits are both live on the site. And when I – I know I sound like when I tell people about this on shows, like it sounds like I'm just blowing smoke, dude. But honestly, look, it, it, go ahead over there. If 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 it was legit, not a mountain of information, and you find nothing of at, like absolute just kick ass material in there, like at me, 
DM me. Don't care. Like I, I I'll, I'll sit here and, and take the L, but I promise you when you dive into both of those, they will change how you're approaching dynasty rookie drafts, approaching dynasty startups. They will change how you are going to build your best ball squads this year, especially um, if you're doing early best ball action, Fantasy Pros, we are a partner with FFPC. We have the Fantasy Pros Championship that has a milli up top. And if you Ooh. use the code Fantasy Pros, you get some money off your sign-up, get some money off that entry. Um, I'm going to be tossing some um, some sabers uh, at the milli. So join me in the draft streets of FFPC. Listen, Fantasy Pros, first place I go to when I'm trying to check against whether it's redraft, dynasty rankings, or alike. I love the consensus that rolls down against everyone's. It's more of a kind of like you can get the individual and you can also kind of get the group sync as well. So that's you know that, that's what goes in the search bar the first time that, that I'm looking up, trying to put a trade out there, looking at player values, things of that nature. So I couldn't agree more. Awesome. So thank you again to our very special guest, Mr. Derek Brown. For myself, John DeBarry, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker. We are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. Ow! Oh, I didn't I know you didn't see it coming. <laughs>And then the inmates are like, nah, man, it's okay. Look, like we get it. We're just going to, we're, we're chilling. Like, you know, D- didn't even have get mercy. There. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even technically respond, but he tells me like several months later, he's talking to the, he's talking to the doctor. You know, and he said, how do you feel? And, and he goes, well, let me explain it to you like this. Like I couldn't D you up. Right. And then he said, we're playing basketball. I can't yeah, D you that up. Therapy. Like, yes. Yeah, side to side. <laughs> And yeah. I know it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. We, we had a pickup game. Uh, no we had a pickup game at, at the company retreat this year. And they were like, hey, man, you, you going to play? And I was like, nope. <laughs> They're like, why, why not? Like, I'm like, dude, I, even at my best, I was a five foot ten dude with a big man's game and a terrible jump shot. Like, yeah. I don't think that's aged well over the years. Yeah. I play far below the rim, sir. So yeah, <laughs> no, you was, undercut when you're going this for a board. Was never close to dunking a basketball, <laughs> and it sure as hell ain't not, now. I'm not your guy. Ah, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, we, got, we got a little, we squeeze a little juice out of that <laughs> orange. I, I like it. We got something to work through.